just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the show. My name is Johnny Ball. It's common for us to hear now about discrimination in the workplace. And I think there are many people that I come across in my own work who feel that their light gets dimmed by the environment that they're in and that their voice doesn't get heard. And maybe they have a message or an idea about how things should be or how the world could be a better place, how people's lives could be better. But believe that nobody is going to listen to their voice or there's no platform for them other than perhaps going on social media and screaming into the void, which is what most of us end up doing there if you don't have a big following. Now, my guest on this show is someone who has definitely experienced discrimination in the workplace. And she shared some of that story with us as well. So it will be quite shocking, I think, for some people. Many of us perhaps have never experienced that kind of discrimination. I hope for those of you listening that you haven't, but if you have, if you've ever experienced something like sexism in the workplace or racism or discrimination based on sexual identity or anything along those kinds of lines, being othered in your workplace, you may have felt bullied, you may have felt harassed and belittled in that environment. In which case, what do you do? How do you deal with that? Do we just cancel people as we hear people talking about cancel culture now? Or is there a better way? Maybe we just need to toughen up. Perhaps we're all woke little snowflakes and being a bit too delicate about our own mental health. Like Piers Morgan suggested that Emma Redek, one of the tennis champion who has become a blinding star since her recent win at the US Open. Or perhaps we do want to have a world where we look after each other a bit more and actually take care to make sure we have environments where people are respected and aren't belittled and aren't just told to toughen up, but rather where we help educate people on how to be a bit more empathetic and respectful in working environments. If we believe that the model of business person that we should aspire to be, no nonsense, angry, demanding, insensitive, get it done, no excuses, sack, fire, play the tough guy, and never have any sensitivity or understanding for the people who you work with or who work for you, then I think we're in a bad place. Well, I do think we're in a bad place. And people like my guest Vivian Aqua are making it better. I have taken inspiration from Vivian's story, and I'm sure you will too. Now, I'm someone who suffered discrimination in the workplace, not perhaps the same as many people might have, but I have been discriminated against. 
and have found that hard to deal with. Now, in those situations, I dealt with it myself. And I talk a little bit about that with Vivian, but not everybody is quite so capable to take these on themselves. Not everybody is so thick skinned, even though those situations were dealt with to my satisfaction. There's still a part of me that knows that I was very othered in that workplace and that that situation should never have happened in the first place. So I hope that you will take something positive away from this conversation, which frankly was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking to Vivian and we really got into what to do if you are feeling like you are being bullied or harassed in the workplace, if your dignity is being challenged, if you find yourself in a situation where you want to have a voice and you want to be out there, but you feel there's no point and that no one will listen, you can maybe do what Vivian did. Maybe get on the bus with her and join the platforms that she is helping people to create. And you'll hear more about that too in the episode. So this is Speaking Influence. This is the show where we delve into knowledge, skills, experience, stories, and secrets of some of the world's best influence and persuasion experts. We have in-depth conversations with people who are out in the world applying and often teaching the tools of ethical influence and persuasion, and maybe sometimes the not-so-ethical side of things. Guests range from successful authors and entrepreneurs, secret service members and psychologists, marketing and branding experts, even the occasional professional comedian or world champion in public speaking or storytelling, former cult members, neuroscientists, voice coaches, professional stylists, political speechwriters and public speaking experts, Every episode takes our guest knowledge and experience and turns it into actionable information that you can use to build a deeper understanding of how the world of influence and persuasion works and become a better wielder of the weapons of ethical influence and persuasion in life and business, leaving each of us, hopefully, a little smarter and better off than before. So enough from me. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Speaking Influence, the show that explores the psychology and application of ethical influence and persuasion in life and business with persuasive presentations and podcasting coach, Johnny Ball. If you have an online business, you need to work on list building. The easiest way to get started for free is ConvertKit. It's recommended by industry pros like Pat Flynn, Chris Ducker, and our very own Johnny Ball. Click the link in the show notes and start building your list today. Welcome to Speaking Influence. I am being joined today by someone who I've been looking forward to speaking to for very long. And one of the reasons for this is because I do believe that diversity and inclusivity in the workplace are vitally important. And after having spoken to my guest today, we had such an interesting chat and I was really blown away by her story. It's an incredible mm. story of what she's done, what she's created. And I know you're going to want to hear it too. So if you've ever felt like your voice has been dimmed or wasn't relevant where you were, or you faced discrimination or difficulties rising up from where you are, then you are definitely going to want to hear today's guest. Her name is Vivian Aqua, and she is an inclusivity and workplace wellness advocate, and she has great expertise in this area. And she is someone who created her own platform. And that's what we really want to get into talking about today. We have lots of stuff to get into, but let me formally welcome to Speaking Influence, Vivian Aqua. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny, for having me on your platform. And also as, after that introduction, I feel very honored. So thank you. I'm excited oh, about thank it. Thank you. You definitely have an interesting story and background, and we want to get into that mm. in just a moment. 
But let me ask you this. If you could have a magic wand just for five minutes and you could do some magic with a magic wand, what would you do if it was a real magic wand? I would give everybody the opportunity to walk five minutes in my shoes or somebody else from the underrepresented group to experience what we face in the workplace to experience microaggression, to experience racism, to experience discrimination. Why? Because I want to unlock empathy. I want to raise more understanding. And so long that people don't understand the hurt and the pain and also don't understand how painful exclusion can be, it will be still a challenge to move people to the other side. So that's what I want to do. With my five minutes, I'm not looking for the $1 million thing or looking for the fortune. I'm looking for people to unlock empathy within themselves. That's a magical answer, Vivienne, mm-hmm. and, uh, and wonderful. Well, let's talk a little bit then first about your story, because there are reasons why you have got to where you have got to today. Mm-hmm. And when you told me about it, I was not only super impressed by what you've done and the action that you've taken, but also... Maybe not surprised, but also felt it was important to hear about the adversity that you had faced on your journey. Mm-hmm. So tell us yeah. a bit more about that. Where do you want me to begin? Because there are so many levels, but the barrier that really impacted me was at the time when I was pregnant. I was about five weeks pregnant and just found out and so excited. I chose to share this with my managers, know that I was working at an IT company, very small, but the founders, all the founders were my managers. So I was dealing with five managers and know that I did not share this with family members, know that I did not share this with friends. I told my damn managers because I wanted to create understanding, right? I'm on this new journey as a parent. I don't know what's coming up, but what I do know is I'm having nausea. I'm having morning sickness and don't know how to deal with that. So I was hoping for understanding instead of that. I was facing dehumanization, being bullied, and it led towards me going on an early maternity leave after six months because my midwife warned me, like, you have a high blood pressure. And if you don't change the situation that you are in right now that's causing you that amount full of stress, you're not only impacting your own health, but you're impacting your unborn child health. And that It had to sink in, but that shocked me, right? Because I'm at an age where it's not very easy. It's not always easy to get pregnant. Now that I am pregnant, the last thing that I want is to face a situation where I might harm my child or I might lose my child. I got to thinking, who am I putting first? I should be putting my child, myself, first before my work. So I left. I left that workspace because I wasn't being valued. I wasn't being seen. And definitely my voice wasn't being heard. It's hard but for me, I'm sure for many people to imagine how anyone could go about treating somebody mm-hmm. in that yeah. way, e- yeah. even in a professional environment. And yet we know it happens. We, yeah. we know it happens. And, and it is important to hear these stories about it. But to actually have to have that recognition that you didn't have to keep suffering this. You took care of yourself yeah. first and you put yourself in front of that. It's not an easy decision walking away from a job like that. What was going on for you at that time and how hard was it to really just walk away from a career or a job? 
my son made it easier knowing that kids look up to their parents, right? And knowing that and also knowing the fact that he was, I think he was about three. And I noticed that he was following me all around, the, all over the place. I know that when he was born, nothing was wrong with him. So I'm glad that the pregnancy turned out very well. But still, I realized that I need to treat myself better because when he comes to me and says, talks about, I'm not being valued. I'm not being seen. Mom, what should I do? I need to level up with myself because if I'm sharing a certain advice to him, tips about how he can speak up, tips about how he can be noticeable, why am I not applying those tips to myself? So I had to walk away and advocate for something that I am advocating for and be true to myself. So I walked away. Mm. What was going on for you then emotionally? Because, I mean, it seems like you really found some strength to make mm -hmm. that decision. But what sort of things were going on under the surface? Because for many people, I think those environments can, can really pull you down. It pulled me down. It activated some part of my postnatal depression. So I was a new mom, was very happy about my child, but was very unhappy about the professional relationship that I have with the workplace. And most of you know that my the work can be part of your identity. A lot of people identify themselves with their work and for that foundation to, to fall apart, it's not easy. But the way that I was treated, right, it's dirt or better than dirt. I am better than being treated like dirt. So I walked yeah. away from that knowing that I can do better, be better, and can be in a place where I am valued, can be in a place where my talents are being seen. It's also a message that I have for a lot of people that are, are tangoing in a situation where they know that they are being heard, they know are facing dehumanizing situations, that there is always a better place where, than the place that you are in right now. Nobody right. deserves to be dehumanized. A lot of people will stay in those kinds of situations mm -hmm. for fear of what yeah. might or might not happen next. And you took a very brave decision there because it's hard to walk away. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is better the devil you know than the devil you don't, right? Sure. Uh, and a lot of people will only leave those things once they can find something else to leave to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you have that or did you not know what the next step was going to be? I did not know what the next step was going to be, but all I knew is that I have an IT background, I have a financial background, and I know that, you know, what wherever my 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 journey would lead me, I know it would lead me safe. So uh, I'm not saying that from the beginning on when I became a freelancer that everything was all settled and done. No, I had to work really hard to the position where I am now, but still the best thing that I made is leaving that workplace because it was it was causing me to doubt myself. It was making me feel less and less confident. And it also builds towards the things that I'm still dealing right now. Even though a lot of people are complimenting me and doing things, I still am healing from the trauma that I, I got from that period. Yeah. Now, I, I can think of some specific examples in my own working life of having faced discrimination mm -hmm. and had some problems because of that. And I know that some in a somewhat more privileged position as a, mm -hmm. a cis white male in, in the working yep. environments, but also falling into groups of diversity, being in the LGBTQ plus community, that 
that kind of discrimination is still very common. But for me, sure. at least, it wasn't so heavy. It was very manageable and the stuff I was able to deal with myself and didn't hold mm-hmm. me back in my career. But for yep. many people, the discrimination they face for whatever reasons yep. could potentially be blocking you to growth, to development, and to happiness outside of your work life as well. You True. say about all the effect True. that this was having on you. So you took that brave step and you you left not really knowing what was going to come next. And that takes Mm -hmm. a lot of guts. So what did come next? What happened then? What did come next was freedom, right? Me taking the time to step into myself. So that's when this hair started coming out. I, I shaved some of my hair because I wanted to show myself that I'm a different Vivian, Vivian 2.0, and also having a son. I don't know if you know about X-Men. There is this Phoenix situation where one of the X-Men personas is becoming a Phoenix. And becoming a mom did that to me. Becoming a mom made me the lioness that I already had in me, but it came more out. And for me, the thing that I liked most was being a change maker, being an ambassador, but also supporting people in their journey towards the new chase so that they can own it, so that they can embrace it better. And that's how I ended up becoming an inclusive workplace wellness advocate and, and bringing my savviness into that as well. Yeah. So where did that journey really start then? What did mm-hmm. that, how did that start to take form in the real world? Yeah. So I first started out as a workplace wellness advocate. So I was advising companies about what they can do for people, their male well-being, but also physical well-being and also career well-being. And realizing that inclusion, diversity, equity, and inclusion has an impact on people, their well-being in general. So not adding these elements in is, is like leaving some elements of yourself behind the door and then only switching it on for two between nine to five and then switching it off after that. We are not like that. We are not robots where we can just deactivate so- certain elements that are also part of our well-being. The important thing is my son is, I, I call him my little Yoda because he has those moments where he is asking questions where I'm thinking like, you're five, you're four. Why are you asking me this question? But all these questions have led to me literally bungee jumping out of my comfort zone and doing the things that I'm doing now. I I like that expression, bungee jumping out of your comfort zone. I am. (laughs) (laughs) So what sorts of things have been happening since you started down this Mm -hmm. track? What's the sort of difference that you've seen that you're able to help make? Well, being a freelancer or a consultant means that you have to look out for visibility and know that as an introvert, I am tall, so nobody can miss me or whatever, don't see me. But visibility, it's not always easy. It's still up to this day, not always easy. But knowing that I have to share my story, but also knowing that I have a something valuable to teach, something impactful to teach. I know that the topics that are related towards workplace wellness or towards diversity, equity, and inclusion can be consumed. Let's say it can be challenging to consume it as as the individual, but I created ways to make it more entertaining and to create a way where people don't feel like they are being bashed, but people feel like they are being educated in a special way. So I try to entertain 
inspire and add all these different elements so that people focus on the content that I have to share instead of finger pointing at people, you're doing this wrong, you're doing it this wrong. No, I'm a person who stands next to the person. We both are going to look in the mirror so that I can share my experience and you can share your experience. And we both need to find a way where we can meet a common ground and understand more about each other. I don't know it all, neither do does the other person, but I want this other person to realize what it feels and what it means to be uttered. Yeah. What sort of feedback have you been receiving then from these environments that you've been working with since starting this important work? Mm-hmm. People say I'm very entertaining. I have a, let's say, I, I use a, a pinch, of, a little pinch of sarcasm in it, making more fun. But also realizing that I'm a tools girl. This robot that you see behind me, it's not, it, there is a reason why it's behind me. I love using tools, making things more uh, entertaining, but also it's about an us, right? Especially now when I'm giving a remote training, it can be easily about me just broadcasting only me, myself, and I. But I need to engage with the people. So I bring in elements where, I involve them in the conversation so that it's more of us. We are dancing a tango or a salsa during this training. And I am known for bringing up food. Yes, I do talk <laughs> about food a lot. Uh, one of my favorite subjects, Vivian. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's very easy for people to connect with food because the next time that they go to the supermarket, they remember Vivian said that. That's important. One one of the things that Robert Cialdini talks about mm-hmm. in his revised book of Influence and Persuasion is this unity idea. And that is the, the we like people who are like us. We like people mm-hmm. finding commonalities and things in common. And so finding those things and creating that. And we, most, I don't think there's too many people who don't like food. So sure. yeah, it, it's a fairly universal commonality. I'm sure that someone could put it in the comments, oh, I don't like food that much. Because yeah. I have to. But for the vast well, majority if you don't of like people, food, then we'll take a journey to Paris. <laughs> I mean, it's otherwise food or travel with me. That's the choices that you have with me. Yeah. You're based in Amsterdam, right? Mm-hmm. So, True. Yeah. Amsterdam, so, the Netherlands. So there yeah. is a bit of a, a dust thing. I know you said you bring a bit of sarcasm into it. I don't know. That's, that's, uh, in Dutch culture, that's a very mm-hmm. appreciated thing. And I know that perhaps in some of the uh, American and UK work cultures, may, it may rub some people up in, in a slightly different True. way. True. But the sarcasm that I bring, I never put somebody else on display. I put myself on display because it's about me. I never ever want to that always create a well. situation where I am bullying or I am being microaggressive or somebody can take it in the wrong way. So instead of instead of highlighting them, I'm highlighting myself or making little little comments or little jokes. So to ease up the the ice Lighten or to break mood. the ice the topic is heavy enough yeah yeah absolutely in terms of some of the results that you've seen from your work then mm-hmm. what has been experienced so far people are accepting that the micro actions that they can take so instead of waiting upon leaders or waiting upon management or waiting upon the company to take action when it comes to inclusion or diversity, equity, and inclusion, I am challenging them. I'm giving them tools. What can you do, right? Because it's not about a me thing. It's not about the management thing. It's about 
how can we together create inclusions? And there are little steps that we can all do without having to ask for a budget, without having to ask for permission. And we can all show kindness. We can all mm. support each other. We can all activate something to support someone else who is from the underrepresented group. Yeah. I think it's important probably to get a definition of what we're talking about when you say things like uh, microaggressions and things like because I know mm -hmm. the media has really twisted understanding yeah. of that and made it seem like people are just crybabies and they're mm -hmm. getting upset and offended about the slightest little thing. What are we yeah. really talking about here? Yeah, so when I'm talking about microaggression, I want you to imagine that you are sticking your hand in a beehive and every time somebody's making maybe a joke but that joke, it's wrapped with something that isn't nice. So, for instance, if you're talking to me and say, well, you're talking well English for a Ghanaian, right? Are you insulting me or are you insulting the Ghanaians or are you complimenting me, right? It's a, it's a double whammy and that could be a microaggression as well. But also the little comments that might be a joke, it can be insensitive in some cultures. It can be very stingy and imagine that one person is getting all these different comments from their colleagues right remember your hand in the beehive how do, how will your hand be looking when you stick your hand out of the beehive and all these bees have been stinging you it's like being attacked by killer bees and it's deadly it's deadly yeah i can certainly think of many times in my own experience where i've heard in working professional environments, people telling jokes and they were, especially guys telling jokes about gay guys and yeah, it's all the yeah, associations yeah. with femininity and uh, not yeah. really being masculine or uh, macho enough and too mm -hmm. delicate and all this kind of stuff. And you'd hear that. Say, well, don't get upset. It's not about you. Like, yeah, but it is. You know, yeah, it, it's like, it actually is. And it's like, well, I, I don't necessarily, you know, I've got you know, pretty tough skin and things, but I also know that not everybody does. And mm -hmm. but even then on some level, I'm still taking that away with me thinking these guys don't respect, these guys think less of me because of this. Yeah. And those kinds of jokes tell me that. And so I, I get exactly what you're saying with this. And we're not saying as, again, media to twist all this stuff around, you, we just cancel everyone who does that. No, I'm not saying that, yeah. but be sensitive about what comments you are making and in what kind of space you're making. So am I missed two good issues? No. In my home, where it's safe, I can say certain things. What I'll never say, and also to my partner, I encourage him and I really shake him when he's making a comment that isn't appropriate in my DEI Bible, right? But I educate him, say that you can never say that. And also in front of our child, you can never say that and you can never do this. I want you to do better. And every time I'm doing better. I'm learning better. So I'm not saying that I missed two good issues, but I am learning to do better and to be better every time that I confront myself or every time that somebody else says that, Vivian, maybe next time you shouldn't do something like this. We are all learning and we have to give each other the space to learn as well. Yeah. I think lots of people tend to argue in this sort of discussion mm -hmm. that we are just going to end up walking on eggshells around everybody, trying so hard not to say anything that we end up not really being able to say anything at all. Mm -hmm. is, is that a real fear or are people overreacting, do you think? It's a overreacting because um, when there is fire in one of the houses, right, you don't put, you don't say to 
the fire station that you have to put water on every house. There are some houses on fire and we have to cater to that. And I'm not saying that you should cut out certain jokes or not go watch certain movies. I mean, that's totally up to you. But realize that some people find it offensive and we have to consider everybody in that case. Yeah. I know that there are many people who get on this sort of, oh, it's all political correctness and it's all gone mad and we can't say anything anymore and all this kind of thing. And, and I, I really don't think it's, if people replaced political correctness or any of the things we're talking about with just respect for people, mm-hmm. exactly, we are having the same conversation. Um, exactly. we, just, we just have to use, maybe change up the language a bit or really reframe people on what we're actually talking about here. We're talking about treating people with respect, with dignity, especially in professional environments where people spend a lot of their time. What should somebody do if they are thinking, well, I am in a professional situation in my workplace environment and I I see some of these things or I experience some of this Mm -hmm. uh, and I maybe even actually get some specific things targeted towards me, what should I do? I believe that every workplace or everybody deserves to have a workplace where there is a trustee or somebody where you can report something anonymous about something that's happening. And also, I also believe that those workplace or those companies should have systems or policies in place what to do when somebody's overstepping their boundaries, what to do when somebody's making something. But also, if you are witnessing something, don't be still. And I'm not saying that you should bash or butcher somebody else because they are making a comment, right? We don't want to repeat Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part (laughs) 10. Right. We want to be constructive. It's about the act that the person did, not about the person. So don't make it too personal. And if it's in a team, get a one-on-one together with that person so that you can take him aside and have a conversation with us. It's not a discussion. It's a conversation for them to do better, to learn to do better as well. But we mm. need to have certain systems in place where people can say something without making them feel like they are whistleblowers. Because the way society looks at people when they speak up, they are labeled as whistleblowers. And the majority of the time, the whistleblower, they leave the company or they are being, they are being butchered online. And why do you think that people are afraid to speak up? There isn't an environment there. There isn't a safe space where people can share these things. Yeah. And a lot of that comes from culture, Mm. right? Especially workplace culture is is what I'm really talking Mm -hmm. about there. And so some workplace cultures are not necessarily intentionally toxic, but it can become that way if they're not managed. So a a well-managed culture in a workplace. And an example I'd give of that is I I have several Facebook groups and there are rules for being in that group. Mm -hmm. Uh, And some of those rules are about treating each other with respect and respecting the group and and how we are to interact with each other and things like that. And those are things that we can and should have in our workplace cultures as well. What would be a good example of a healthy workplace culture in your opinion? A healthy workplace culture knows what it means to be an inclusive leader, knows what empathy does to the team as well, but also knows that we need to value people on the different layers that they have. And I'm referring to intersectionality. So 
you see me, I'm a black woman, but I'm also a mom. I'm also a nerd. I'm also have a high IT background. I'm so much more than the box that people tend to put me in. And that is also something sometimes related to discrimination or to exclusion. You assume something of a person without realizing what's happening at home, without realizing the full story. And when we get to know each other better, we need to understand that there is more to one person than the only, uh, only side A that you're seeing, right? We have like 26 different layers upon us. So yesterday I, I talked about intersectionality where think when you think about macaroons, the different colors of the rainbow macaroons, mm-hmm. next time you'll know more about intersectionality because we all have those flavors within us. You said you like talking about food, and yeah, now, I'm now I'm thinking about macaroons. <laughs> I think, oh yeah, yeah, I could, I could quite go for some macaroons right now. <laughs> but now, now, if I go, mm-hmm. now the next time I see macaroons, I'm going to think about this conversation. So you're you absolutely see what I right. Here? <laughs> I see what you did. I, I love it. Yeah, I think that that's really important. And mm-hmm. do, do you see that cultures are changing? Are things shifting in this direction? They are changing. Are they changing fast enough? No, but sometimes also we need to realize that a baby doesn't develop from day one and starts walking, right? They need to have some time to process the change and they need to have some marination change, a marination as well. We have to remember that it's a marathon. So I want the companies to raise more training in awareness. Awareness, 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 have more conversations, but also have more understanding for each other. Get to know each other, get to know each other, you know, by stretching beyond the surface so that you can see that, oh, maybe somebody is a caregiver. And that's why they always leave at 5 p.m. because they have to take care of their mom or their dad, right? Or maybe somebody's diabetic, but they don't want to disclose that. I mean, I've, I've seen so many situations that a colleague passed away, whether it's intentional or not, I'm not going to disclose that. But sometimes people hear the most loving stories and they always say, I never knew that about them. Mm. Yeah. This relates interestingly to some things I've been talking about in some recent conversations on the show. And one of those things is that there is, especially in professional situations, Mm -hmm. this idea that you have to be a certain way. That yeah. you will, you know, especially if you are in corporate business, this is how mm-hmm. you're supposed to show up. You pretty much know how you're supposed to look and you pretty much know how you're supposed to act based on mm-hmm. stereotypes, archetypes, and, and what we see everyone else doing. And we like to think that we are, we, as much as we like to think we're individuals and stuff like that, there are so many aspects of like where we're not, where we look to see what everyone else is doing and we are led by that. And we know that if we step outside of that, as soon as you are like a, a black sheep in, the, in a white flock, yeah. you yeah. stand out. Yeah, And people True. are going to notice that. And some True. people are not going to like it and they want yeah. to... They want they they really either want to not have to notice it and mm-hmm. uh, not have to deal with it, or yeah. they will try and eliminate it out of their group as well because we tend True. to not like what is not similar to us. But on an individualistic level, this 
thing of trying to be a certain way all the time that isn't necessarily who you actually are. No, is, and uh, it's tiring. It, it's tiring. And it's inauthentic as well. Yeah. Trying to live up to this idea of who we think we should be rather than living the fullest potential of who we are. True. That is another battle that's going on the internal level. And if we're not actually talking to each other and connecting and only really having those courteous professional interactions, we're never really going to get past that, right? No, no. And I, I invite people to bring them also. I mean, I'm wearing purple hair on purpose. I'm wearing my headscarf, but I'm also, I'm also um, placing myself in a vulnerable way saying that I don't know it all. I'm a mom. I'm this and I'm that. And I want you to get to know me because me being an outsider and giving training, I need to say something to uh, melt the eyes so that people understand, yes, I'm human. I'm not always perfect and I will never be always perfect, but at least I can show my human side so that we can have that real to real conversation. Yeah. One of the things that I, I think could be good to address here as well and i was thinking about it before and i do want to come back to it whilst it's still in my memory is that we talked about how to perhaps approach people who are maybe not being as sensitive as they could be and how we can move mm -hmm. forward with that and yeah. make things better how could we if you have some ideas on this how could we deal with perhaps the other side of that some people who are out there looking for opportunities to be offended and looking being oversensitive about anything uh, sometimes for significance in the workplace as well. Mm -hmm. how, how do we deal with that? Remember the answer I shared in the beginning about the magical one end? We both parties need to unlearn and learn as well. So I would say a friend of mine designed a empathy glass where you can literally put on a VR glass where you can walk in somebody else's shoes, even though it's just for a few minutes you can still sense the little things that we are facing. And it's shocking. Within five minutes, you are not only watching, but you're feeling, you're sensing. And yes, for the people that have their empathy button hidden, they will feel it. For the people that don't have the empathy button hidden, I don't know, that's another category which I'm not classified to, to label people. But most of the people do have their empathy button somewhere. And we mm. want to activate that. And I would say for both parties, we both need to unlearn and learn the, the things to make us more human, but also to connect on a human level. Yeah. yeah that's important. I really like what you shared there as well. It really is about just trying to understand each other more mm -hmm. and, and having conversations rather than just dividing and saying, you are away from me. I can't associate or relate to your opinion. Yeah. You are therefore wrong because you're too far away yeah. from me. I yeah. am right. And we shall never meet in the middle. And you say, mm -hmm. no, we can't. There's always room for discussion. There's always room for some negotiation, not in the sense of mm -hmm. actually come to agreement, but just to, to at least understand where sure. everybody's at. So I think the, these are really, really important things. Now, I'm guessing that workplaces weren't necessarily advertising for roles or at that time of we want somebody to come in and sort out our culture and our diversity and all of this no, kind of thing. No, right? I, I, to be honest, I use workplace wellness as a Trojan horse to invite the conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but also given the fact that I am a visual storyteller. So I'll bring in some barbecue, I'll bring in some chocolate, I'll bring in some bread, all the yummy stuff 
for them to relate to what's happening and how, you know, how workplaces are really creating a, some workplaces are creating a fake carrot cake where the carrot cake from the outside looks gorgeous. But from the inside, because they are using not the right temperature, right, from the inside, it hasn't been fully cooked. It's not yummy and it's not that, you know, that soft, tasty, tasty carrot cake where you can really sense that that carrot cake oozes inclusion. Yeah. I, I like the food metaphors still. And uh, and I want to come to one of your trainings now because I, I know I'm going to get, I know I'm going to get well fed as well educated. <laughs> That's look, a good thing. You also uh, recognized that that wasn't really happening. There wasn't enough of this going on. So mm-hmm. where you saw that there wasn't a platform for this, you created one. And then that, yeah. apart from like everything else we've been talking about is interesting as well. But that for me is like one of the things that's like, that's incredible. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. say, well, it's not out there. Nobody really wants it. Or it's like, no, you just made it. You created yeah. that platform for yourself and you got it out there. And you say it's a Trojan horse. I mean, it's not really, everything you're talking about is, in the remit of well wellness and this yeah, language sure. here, yeah. wellness in the workplace and health mm-hmm. and people now are having much more understanding like, there are buzzwords in business at the moment along this sort of thing of uh, like mental resilience and psychological well-being and having these uh, environments where people are ha- have emotional needs and, and that's being recognized and that's being cared mm-hmm. for that is happening a lot more i see that in uk business culture probably somewhere in us culture as well this uh, psychological wellness aspect of it that has been overlooked for so long and these things become a part of that to such a great degree what do you feel is the the future now what needs to happen to really see change yeah I do have to say something about what you just shared right now, Mm. because I am inspired by Ava DuVernay, where she has a quote, and I was looking the quote up. Her quote is, I'm not going to continue knocking on that old door that doesn't open for me. I'm going to create my own door and walk through that. So when you were referring to the platform that I created, I wasn't seeing a platform that where I could apply, where I was able to amplify my voice, where I would be seen as the knowledgeable person that I am. And uh, remember that robot that is behind me? I have a lot of tools and I have my systems in place. So I created a virtual summit to do that. And what I see for the future is that more and more companies are making this part of their heart, are making this part of their culture. And you see a shift, right? You see a shift for the companies that are walking the talk. So not only putting it on their website, but you can feel that inclusion or belonging oozing from their company when maybe you walk in or when maybe you're meeting them virtually online. And you'll see the other side where the companies that are behind or the companies that don't believe in inclusion yet. And that's where you can see a shift coming towards the generation that values inclusion will shift more to the companies that do have that in place and will leave the companies that don't have that in place. And that's already happening right now. I I agree. There are so many examples now of company cultures that some of them are maybe putting on this veneer of Mm -hmm. having the diversity and inclusion stuff, but there's nothing really going on. You know, they'll they'll put their rainbow flag up at Pride or kind of thing, but but there's not a lot else going on there. But uh, 
there are companies where you see that is going on, where they do really care. And you think, as a consumer or as a client, mm-hmm. I think these people really care. I feel like I belong here. I, I can be myself in this community. I don't have to keep anything back or I True. can actually be a part of this and feel safe here as well. The psychological True. safety aspect of it. And again, yeah, I like anyone would want to spend more time in places where I feel welcomed and catered to yeah. than places that I just either think uh, just trying to get my money and sort of talking a good game, but not actually and, delivering and also, it or not and doing also anything know, at all. And also know that these companies, I mean, sometimes they might make hiccups or they might make a mistake. The important thing in that is give them time to learn from that mistake. Give them time to do better. Give them time to apologize so that they can do better. That's my approach in things. Tell us a bit more about your summit then. Yeah. Well, remember I I shared that my son is like my Yoda. So last year when I had to explain to a six-year-old that what happened to George Floyd had to do with his skin color, my partner is white, he's Dutch. And so Orlando, my son, is biracial. And the fact that he only had one question, and that was, is anybody going to hurt you, mom? That question, it hurted me. It impacted Mm -hmm. me to my heart. And seeing maybe how the future might end up for him, I was just like, no, I don't want him to deal with the same BS that I have dealt with because it's very hurtful, the journey that I went through. And here... I am, I have all these people in my network. I have a tool. Why not create my own platform? Why not do something? So I thought that I would start with 30 people joining Amplify DEI, so Amplify Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. I ended up with 69 and 900 attendees just out of the first year already. It was amazing. And the vibe that I'm giving is a vibe that I'm missing in uh, a lot of summits is treating your speakers as special, being a cheerleader as uh, for the speaker. So I'm not saying that I have my gummy bears ready for all the speakers and I have the red carpet layout. I do have the virtual red carpet layout for making things easy as possible for them, for them to talk and do their thing. So with that, I am walking my own talk. I'm providing equity for my speakers. For those who want to speak up but have never done it, I needed to partner with somebody so that they can provide certain training so that they can rock the online stage. I cannot do this journey and sit back and not activate my own inclusive leadership. So that's what I did. Who who are the kinds of people who should come to your event? Yeah. Every self-leader, every leader, every manager, but also I am encouraging all the change makers that are thinking about taking action but don't know where or are already active in this space and want to learn to do better. You need to be here. Amplified EI this year has 90 plus speakers already from all over the world. Australia, New Zealand, Asia, Europe, United States, Canada, Argentina, Barbados, Curaçao, South America, United Emirates, and I could go on and on. That's amazing. know that I am inviting the different lenses and I am inviting the different conversations and I am inviting the intersectionality in the summit. Yeah. 
Uh, this show is called Speaking Influence, and you are a shining example of someone who mm, is speaking and and using building and using your influence to yeah. to do some positive change in the world. And that's what I love to see, Vivian. Yeah. People who come to your event, what can they expect to take away from that? I want them to join this event and activate something. Challenge yourself with one action. So if it means that you want to learn about how you can deactivate your bias, the opportunity is there. If you want to learn how to navigate in the workplace with dealing with microaggression or being the only one, that's also there. I want you to commit to something Take a pledge for yourself and find an accountability partner. I and mean, you both walk during this journey and whatever you can do to, to amplify inclusion within your own zone, you already made my heart melt. And that's the most important thing. So my mission is to reach 1 million people within five years. And every time that I'm touching hearts, that's part of the 1 million leaders that I want to reach. Fantastic. It's a beautiful mission. And I feel very privileged to be a small part of that journey with you as well. Thank you. Now, you have some tickets to give away yeah. to some of our audience as well. Mm -hmm. So t tell us about that. I am giving away 10 tickets for the people that can comment below this post and also tag me can share why are you amplifying diversity, equity, and inclusion? Or why do you want to amplify diversity, equity, and inclusion? And I'll be giving the tickets away to the first 10 people that are sharing their text. Don't make it simple. Make it concrete. I'm not going to challenge you to make it smart. I'm not that, you know, that strict. But I do want to encourage you into why you want to join this summit. It's it's a virtual summit, right? So yeah, they can join. They can summit. join from anywhere. And yeah. if people are listening to the audio version of this, then the link will be in the show notes for you mm -hmm. to this post, so yeah. that you can come and leave your comment as well. So yeah, perfect. I hope that uh, people will take up that wonderful offer. It's very a very generous and kind offer. If they mm -hmm. if they miss out on the free tickets, uh, can they still come? They can still come. I have the early bird tickets available until the 26th of September and know that this summit, I see the summit as the Netflix for diversity, equity and inclusion. So definitely more than 120 talks. And when I say talks, it's all bite sized. It's all 20 minutes. I don't have the time to consume all these content for one hour content. No, I made it bite size, and it's about an action that the speakers are leaving away so that you can commit to that action. Wonderful. If anyone who is watching or listening would like to connect with you, what's the mm -hmm. best way for them to do that? Follow me on LinkedIn. I'm the most active there or otherwise on Twitter. Follow me on there. And otherwise I have my YouTube channel that's called Let's Humanize the Workplace. And let's say that I'm less active there, but LinkedIn is the best uh, way to connect with me. I a lady after my own heart. Yeah, LinkedIn yeah. and Twitter are my favorite places online yeah. to hang out as well. <laughs> Although I am finally starting to understand and learn a bit more about Instagram and I have mm -hmm. that YouTube presence. But, you know, the interaction yeah. is, much, is much more there on LinkedIn and Twitter. That's Definitely. fantastic. Uh, I always like to ask my guests for a book recommendation. And mm -hmm. it may be something related to what we've talked about today or just a book that's had an impact on you and it can be fiction or nonfiction. If I ask you for a book recommendation, and I always let my guests choose more than one if you want to, uh, you can choose two, but what would your recommendation be? 
I would definitely go for uh, Minda Hart, the author. She has a book called Women of Color Take a Seat, but she's also having an upcoming book about what it means to deal with racial trauma, what it means to be the only one. And this book is not out yet. It's coming out in October, but it's definitely worth the read so that you can at least learn to understand the challenges women of color are facing. And I want us all to do better, right? The more that we learn about the other, the more that we can create understanding for the other and the more that we can work towards inclusive workplaces or spaces even. Yeah. I share that dream with you mm-hmm. and and I'd hope to be a part of creating that as well. Let me ask you this, Annie. If there's just one thing that people take away from listening to us talk today, what do you hope that that would be? I hope that they understand that they are the driver on the bus, that they can take a seat to do better when it comes to inclusion. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, Vivian Aqua, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. you. What you're doing is amazing. What you've achieved so far is incredible. As I mean, it's maybe a definition of bravery, walking away from your job like you did and doing all Mm -hmm. these amazing things and building this incredible platform. And uh, may you go on to change the world because it's so so needed. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you. And thank you to you for tuning in for the show. It's your subs, your listens that we do this for. And if you gained some value, if you had some insights and you enjoyed the show, then the price is to share the show out with your network, with your friends. We really appreciate it when you do. And hopefully your friends and your network will appreciate it too. I have plenty more influence and persuasion experts coming up for you on future shows. I'm also now trying to push out two shows a week, not always achieving it. It's a bit of an increase in workload for me, but I'm getting there. However, if you are able and would like to support the show, you can do so even just by buying me a coffee on our Supercast page. You'll find the link in the show notes. That could help for me to be able to do things like get other people working on the show with me and increase my output to bring you even more great guests and even better quality shows. So thanks for tuning in today. I look forward to seeing you again on the next show. Go and make great things happen.